Welcome to Hit Subscribe, a podcast by Recharge designed to educate, inspire, and connect the subscription commerce space. On this episode, we're talking with Marty Latham, online operations manager of Square Mile Coffee Roasters, a specialty coffee roasting company based in London. We chat with Marty about how the company's founders realized there was an opportunity with specialty coffee in London, the importance of strong relationships with their suppliers as well as their customers, and how they've streamlined their subscription logistics to save time and money with the help of e-commerce agency, Little Vitamin. So let's get started. Marty, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so give us a little bit of info about yourself uh, and tell us about Square Mile Coffee. Ah, perfect. Uh, so my name is Marty Latham. Um, I'm the online operations manager for Square Mile Coffee. I've been with the company for nine and a half years now. Uh, and I think just sort of Briefly summing up what we've sort of did is um, we uh, saw, saw a bit of an opportunity in, in London to, to, to improve the, the sort of coffee scene here, especially in the specialty coffee um, area. The, the two founders kind of started with um, a, a filter brew only scenario down on Richard Street in, in London called uh, Penny University. Um, and through sort of exploring uh, filter brew coffee as opposed to the standard espresso that you were getting in, in cafes around that time, which is about 11 years ago, by the way, where they sort of identified an opportunity to, to bring better coffee to London via uh, a roastery as opposed to, to just the cafe. Um, so Square Mile was born off, off the back of that, and uh, they're both very successful uh, in, in, the, in the competitive coffee world, which is quite a thing. Um, and from that, they sort of... Um, developed Square Mile and started building our sort of farmer relationships with the different coffee producers that we have and sort of highlighting a different a different way of roasting that uh, wasn't really represented in London that was sort of the lighter style of, of roasting, sort of highlighting the coffee's uh, acidity and uh, fruit, fruit qualities as opposed to the, the heavier sort of chocolatey side of it. So why why is that something that London London didn't have? Is that just coincidence they didn't have a lighter style, or it's just historically no one liked that lighter style? I think um, I think the the sort of true cafe sort of uh, environment that we're all kind of used to now uh, was a bit slow to come to London. I think it had sort of popped up. Uh, I'm from New Zealand, and it was very apparent there. And when I left to go travelling, I sort of thought that sort of coffee was everywhere um but but it wasn't it just that sort of uh cafe sort of scene wasn't really really happening yet uh, and we were still riding off the back of the kind of uh, espresso movement that came obviously came over from italy mm-hmm. um and that it hadn't really picked up in any in, in, in any fashion to to offer kind of different roast styles really uh and i think there was a there was an opportunity there and obviously everything was very espresso based then so even having filter coffee people kind of uh, I guess aligned that with uh, your, your standard diner sort of coffee, um, and that yeah, that was just a real opportunity that I think they wanted to explore at the time. And it turns out London was really into that because <laughs> it's been a bit, bit crazy since that. There's a joke in there somewhere about British people liking their coffee a certain way. I'm not going to make it. We'll just leave that there and move on. <laughs> so, so this Penny University started, and and essentially what Square Mile was doing at the time was was really just kind of brewing the coffee and roasting the coffee and kind of kind of off-selling it and, and giving it to other cafes and stuff. Is that right? Yeah, I think it, sort of Penny University was sort of the first, uh, I guess, business of the two founders. And that was mainly about getting coffee and brewing it without uh, making espresso. So making filter, filter coffee. So really 
doing something a, a little bit radical, um, which wasn't really represented at all. Uh, and from that, that was the decision, I think, for both of them to kind of look at it and go, there's something here, but it's not quite in roasting. And that was the sort of movement not far up, just uh, all, all within Hackney, actually, um, to actually start roasting and make that decision that they, they thought that was, the, that was the business that they wanted to have. Uh, and obviously it was uh, presented to them through, through kind of brewing and making coffee, uh, I think was uh, quite, quite an interesting insight into were people ready for something different? And I think that's kind of the answer they got, um, that maybe a cafe is not the thing and that roasting uh, is, is, is the opportunity for them. So there's definitely a story here about product market fit. You know, they started something, it didn't quite work. They kind of pivoted a little bit, maybe found the passion a little bit more and, and found something that was actually not represented at all, but turned out to, to work pretty well over in London. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, kind of the access to, to really good coffee as in green coffee um, was kind of here. Uh, you know, there's lo lots of international ports here. Obviously goods move through the UK quite a lot. So it's already, uh, it's really well set up for kind of a lot of those shipping routes. Um, and it was just getting that higher tier of coffee, what we call specialty coffee um, to, to be able to uh, bring that in and start start roasting and presenting a different coffee product to people really because everyone's quite used to that either high street um, or what we call the calf which is like our, our version of a diner which is a uh, you know full English and some terrible coffee um, and so yeah that was the that was what they saw and bringing in starting well, I guess starting those relationships with all those farmers is where it started because now you know. 10, uh, 11, 11 years later, we still have a lot of those direct relationships with, with the coffee producers. And I mean, we still work with the same person who provided the coffee for um, one of the founders to actually win wow. the international coffee, uh, international barista coffee. Sorry, tripping up on my words there. He was the barista world champ and the coffee that he used, we actually still work with that supplier. Um, and that's, that's the story with most of the suppliers that we find because it's, it's, um, a lot of it is very direct trade. We've met these people. Uh, I was lucky enough to actually go out to Costa Rica uh, and uh, go on one of these trips. I was I was the content guy, so just take pictures. Um, but it was amazing actually meeting this this farmer in particular as well. I think uh, to see see how kind of where it comes from and that these relationships have lasted so long. Um, That's super that, yeah, cool. Yeah, that was the start of it really. Those uh, getting getting really good coffee from. Uh, these people is obviously what, what what makes it. You know, we're nothing without the really good green coffee. So this really, the relationship kind of really does go go both ways. You know, usually when you talk DTC movement, the the brand will get their product from wherever it ends up being, but that relationship is really honed in on from the brand to the end customer role. You kind of take this both directions, where that's obviously important, but going the other direction and knowing where you're getting your coffee from in the first place and having that relationship with the farmers. And then kind of tying a full circle, I guess maybe full triangle because there's only three ends there. But having that kind of farmer to end customer relationship is super important for you guys. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like I just touched on, if, if all, all, we're nothing without that sort of really good green coffee coming from them, right? Uh, and all, we, all we're doing um, is kind of representing that relationship as best as we can because, you know, yes, we're giving them money for, for a product, of course. Um, right. But... It, the relationship is so like when I went, I got to sit down, have dinner at the family house on the farm. And I was kind of a bit blown away by, by 
how, uh, how not how genuine it was, but just that it, it was that, that sort of level, like you're having dinner with a family uh, and that's sort of the relationship level. Um, and I thought that was, really, that, that was really great. So all we're kind of doing is kind of upholding that and trying to work with them as every season as much as we can. Um, obviously, there's fluctuations on quality. There's a whole bunch of different aspects to actually producing good green coffee. Um, but you know, having having that initial relationship with them is 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 so key for us to be able to get the same uh, lot from them next year. Or when we go and meet them, we know that there's an experimental lot they're trying over that part of the farm and you know we can look forward to that next year or in five years time um and it's i think it's the the exciting thing about coffee really is how how it develops um and how us going to these places we get a real insight to these people's lives um and that that what we pay is actually helping them you know it's uh we are you know, especially coffee is expensive uh, and it's expensive for a reason because you know, we, we pay as we should um and what these people do uh, is very different to the commodity coffee world, you know, like they, you know, there's hand picking in, in, involved in this. There's every level of automation that you expect of coffee does not exist on these. Um, right. You know, the, the small lots going out, uh, but they're small lots that are really high scoring. So that in turn obviously means more money for them. I wonder if we uh, if we pulled a bunch of D 2 C brands, how many times the, the brand had actually sat, sat down to dinner with their supplier uh, I bet it would be a, I bet it would be a very low number. So I think it's, yeah. it's one of those really cool things that like, it, it, it seems kind of irrelevant when you talk to the end customer in the final kind of the final product and all things considered, but it's super valuable. So I think, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, let's... I think it's, it's quite an interesting thing to try and get that story across in kind of right. our comms, our comms with the people as well. Like we kind of talk about the coffee as a, as a, as a thing, but it's quite hard to obviously explain that relationship i think uh because as a consumer yeah they just want to know that coffee's tasty uh it's probably this variety it's 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 but uh there's yeah. caffeine in it for sure yeah yeah exactly um uh, but that actual relationship like the the back we, we try and put as much of the back, background story into everything that we do um so there's quite a lot of coffee involved with each of our, our coffees but for a reason we've got a story to tell as to why it's there there's also only a couple of verticals that that really works for. I think food and beverage kind of as a whole does make sense, but like, I think wine, I think like alcohol probably makes sense for something like that. Coffee very much so because the product is all regional based and how you grow it and all of that kind of stuff really comes into play. But yeah, I think it's super important to be able to, to dial back the other direction and say, you know, here's what you're getting. It's this season, it's handpicked, it's all of those things. I think it's really cool. You're, you actually put effort into trying to get that story across. Yeah. Oh. We, we do try. It's good. I think, uh, yeah. And it, uh, I, th I think it really shows and we've quite a lot of passion for what we do. I mean, like, we're quite a small team. So everyone tends to really, uh, get behind everything. Um, and a lot of, a lot of, uh, internal communication as well about coffees, because as we, as we've grown, we turn around quite a lot of coffee now. Uh, so let's say we have this week, we have two releases, which means two coffees are finishing. Um, so our, our, our sort of greens approach for that is also for um, us to educate the rest of the team as well. So this coffee is from this. I went and met this person. Uh, we have a Slack channel specifically for this uh, about um, stories from origin and, you know, just sharing that 
that that that story with the team internally who may not necessarily see it all the time you know they sometimes just see a coffee come and go uh but being able to being able to share that with everyone sort of obviously boost that passion it's very cool you're talking about sharing the story internally i want to take that one step further and, and talk about sharing the story externally yeah. We've talked a little bit about um, like kind of this this experience of how you're supposed to taste this coffee, like the the cupping and the slurping kind of experience about yeah. it. Tell us a little yeah. bit about how how that works. So essentially, what you're doing when you when you're cupping is you're you're taking out any external kind of uh, parameters. So you know there's there's quite a few ways to brew coffee, and there's always a new product or a new five products every year it seems. Um, but the, the, the best way to actually taste the quality of coffee and what we do at Origin and what we do, obviously, at the roastery is what's called cupping. Um, and you are literally mixing coffee and water. Uh, and that's it in its sort of purest form, I think. And then um, what, once the coffee settles, you kind of break the crust, push all, push all down what you can from obviously there's going to be grounds floating on top, scoop those, get rid of those let it cool down. And then we do, yes, what is called slurping, which, uh, oh, and what that is, is obviously taking a spoonful. Everyone has their favorite spoon or the favorite spoon size. It's a bit of an odd thing, but it does change it. And then you, you, you like aspirate it like you do with wine or something. So you're essentially slurping it to coat it across the, the tongue and to, you, you get kind of the best insight into that exact coffee. There's nothing else in the way of it. Um, and that's, you know, that is applied kind of right through the, the whole coffee world as to the, the way that you, the way that you taste coffee. Um, so this used to be obviously like a very uh, team orientated fun thing that used to happen, but uh, now we're in a completely different world as of last year. So you can imagine we don't all share cupping bowls now. So it's not, um, it's not really a, a done thing anymore, which kind of makes me sad, obviously. Uh, but now we just need to make more bowls. People get their own bowl. Um, and it's something that I think it would be really cool to bring back regularly to what, what we do. I mean, as, as, as I kind of grew with the company, I used to really look forward to Fridays. Um, was it Fridays? Yeah, it must have been, it's been a while now. Jeez. Uh, so it used to be, you know, like the, the team cupping was kind of fun because you had everyone from, from all levels in the company tasting coffee and then just throwing out opinions, uh, which some of the roasters like or don't like. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a really, really great way for the team to engage with the coffee as well. And I think um, tasting it in that way is, I don't know, it's sort of, if, if that's the way you could drink coffee, it'd be, it'd be really great. That's just not a practical way to drink it, obviously, because uh, you've got grounds sitting in there. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. But I, I know you also host a lot of virtual events. Is yeah. This the kind of the, you, so you can do kind of this cupping thing and the, the slurping experience. You can do that a little bit virtually. I imagine yeah. it's a little not as, as much fun as in person. Yeah, so we do a, 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 a sort of host of different virtual events. Um, obviously, that was built out over the... Um, uh, over COVID for us, that, that we saw an opportunity to to move some of our um, in-person events to be um, a digital or virtual scenario. And I think even before this, um, one of the founders, James, was ho hosted what was called the world's largest coffee tasting. Uh, and so this was a really interesting project that ran two years in a row. Um, and this is where we essentially, you built a uh, you bought a tasting pack. We sent it out all around the world, literally all around the world, which I found really mind-blowing to me how far these packs went. And then everyone tuned in for a live event that he hosted, and we all kind of slurped together as a 
is a, 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 I don't know, a, a big host of uh, people slurping around the world. and Big virtual numbers, family. Yeah, and the numbers the first year were, were high, but then the second year, forgetting, it must have been, was it last year? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember exactly when the last time we did it was, but there was a, like, a huge uptake on it the next time. I think um, uh, James's YouTube following was growing, so then it meant that we had this much higher engaged audience. And when we sort of took the product live, we were all, all of a sudden, oh, well, this is going to go crazy. Uh, and it did, and it did. And it was another really, really good event, but it was way, a way to kind of like every, everyone kind of be involved um, in, in a thing together from, from all around the world. I've never seen like, a, you know, the comments reel on YouTube. I've yeah. never seen, like, we couldn't even read them. I was, I was just watching that. I was just, just rolling like, in so fast. We can't even like, we can't even approach any of these. Um, wow. And then obviously from that, we sort of learned a lot of things. And so now we have that into our, to our virtual events, which is a kind of uh, a very quickly growing sector of Square Mile. Um, we have uh, sort of weekly events where let's say a company wants to learn to taste coffee. Uh, we can send the packs out and then, everyone is just hosted digitally and we, we, we take them through a session, um, we take them through a diff few different types of sessions um, and it's been really successful. And it's, uh, yeah, hopefully one, when we can, we, we can start having people back to the roastery within the next sort of few months to you know, see people's faces. It's quite a nice thing. Um, it's been a long time for a lot of us and a lot of us, I mean, I'm part of the work from home crew. So it's been uh, a long time since, you know, I do go into the roastery now and then, but it's the people there are kind of, you see the core roasters and production team who actually get right. the coffee out the door. Um, so being able to go in and do these things together will be quite nice at some point in the future. <laughs> well, I was going to say, how, how does this kind of bring you closer to the end customer and like kind of deliver a better customer experience? But I think everything you just said is, is perfectly clear on that, that, you know, Brains have to pivot all the time and whether it's just the limits of being in, in physically in person, like yeah. being able to pivot quickly and, and find something new to be able to do and use the, the founder's YouTube channel to be able to do this cupping experience from people all over the world. Maybe that's something that actually does stick around. You know, being in person is great, but, but maybe this is something that we continue doing over the course of the next 10 years. Yeah. And I think like uh, doing things in person is great, like you say, but you know, digital reach is <laughs> it's a little longer right <laughs> right uh so i think uh yeah i think that that will only will only grow as far as as far as i can see like um everyone's moving digital um in, in some way shape or form and if you know an interesting part of that is you can't you can't taste like you can't taste the same thing although right. you know that was as close as we could get you know, we controlled the water, we controlled the coffee, we got it there as quickly as we could. Uh, we controlled as many of these sort of outside parameters as we could that when we were cupping, we were all kind of aligned on the thing that we were tasting. Um, but it's obviously a little different to in person. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. So let's jump into logistics now. I know that one of the things you do for your subscription orders is you only roast once a week. So you roast on Wednesdays for all of your subscriptions. Where, where did that come from? Is that controlling quality? What's, what's the reason behind that? I think, um, you know, as we, as we sort of grow in, um, we'd always set aside a, a day for subscriptions. Um, and, you know, snapshotting back to five, six years ago, it was a couple of roasts in the afternoon. Um, and we roasted less days as well. We used to kind of mainly only roast our single origins on uh, Mondays and Thursdays. And obviously, as we've grown, we've had to 
roast a lot more, roast each day. Uh, but in terms of kind of ring fencing that Wednesday is, is just so that we can um, kind of achieve what, what, we're, what we're aiming to get out of subscription or what we're trying to give our subscribers. And that's kind of uh, a, a, a unique experience that we're kind of taking them on a journey through, through the different... Uh, through the different producing regions or countries. Um, but a lot of what we try and do is rotate exclusive coffees for this group. Um, so we may, this may be a coffee that only our subscribers have. So then it wouldn't make sense to put it anywhere in a, in, in a roasting week um, so that we can really focus on that coffee. Um, obviously get the test roast right prior leading up to that. And then, you know, what we roast on that day is just for our subscribers. Um, and we would look at, what coffees we have in shop, um, how would that taste, how would that, what's offered as a filter coffee, how would that taste as an espresso, uh, so that we can service our different groups and give them kind of ex exclusive things in different ways. Um, and it's sort of, it started off, you know, as a, as a way to set aside time, but now it's just a, a pretty much a logistical requirement that the, the sort of growth that we've seen, uh, we need all of Wednesday. Um, for, 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 for subscriptions. And we are still roasting other coffee on those days now because obviously we're growing, we have more roasters, we have more literal roasters as well. Um, but in, in, in order to kind of keep that focus on those Wednesdays, and I just think that's a really nice experience for, for customers as well because you know, if you're in London, you're, you're most likely going to get it the Thursday or Friday you know, before the weekend. Um, and so that we can kind of always have that that sort of pattern that we've shaped out for our customers uh, right. and you know, we'll try and retain that as long as we can um, while we're growing um, and there were some obviously some key decisions that we made along the way like coming on to recharge and reassessing how we were doing things before to, to actually achieve that so i know that <laughs> i know the recharge backend fairly well and when you kind of start to manipulate some of these things in your customer portal and there's order processing, there's times and logistics and all these kind of things, that starts to become a bit of a nightmare of, of pushing subscriptions and making sure it's only one day. I know that you work with one of our best agency partners, Little Vitamin. How has that relationship kind of helped you? How has that, have they kind of steered you in a certain direction? Have they kind of built this back end piece for you? What's Where's the value of working with Little Vitamin as an agency? I think, um... I think just understanding the complexity of what we were doing and how we do it, and uh, I guess why we do it, I think was quite key in you know, sort of forming that forming that relationship. Because I often think of you know if we were trying to sell a product off a shelf, that would be that would be quite. Well, I'm not saying easy. I'm sure that's very hard for a lot of people to do. Uh, but we have to create that product each time, which is the crazy part of coffee, because we have it as a green product. We have to do something to make it a brown product to then send on to people. Um, right. And then you add in the complexity of we only do this on this day so that we can do this. Uh, we have these subscribers and we have five different types of coffee that we actually send to these subscribers. You're shipping uh, out of countries too. We're talking a lot of crazy things now. Yeah. Yeah. And like some people are weekly, fortnightly and monthly. You know, once we had all these sort of um, moving parts, it was, it was key for, for key to work for someone that actually understood that and why we were doing that. And that uh, subscriptions for us was kind of a, a, a fast growing sector of, of, of the company and that we, we were kind of putting these things in place to be able to, to grow in the right way um, to actually grow and to be, not, not to trip ourselves up over volumes that we're trying to get out in a day because it was quickly becoming a very, very 
large roast days on certain days of the month because before prior to little vitamin or um, obviously recharge we also shaped people's uh if you're a monthly subscriber you were getting it in the first week of the month um for a filter if you're a espresso subscriber you're getting it in the third week of the month again on the wednesdays um and that was how we saw it working at the start uh, but obviously as as we grew um these sort of complexities of trying to match this first Wednesday of the month with someone's payment who may come, come out on the 22nd of the month was just, uh, yeah, we were, we were very quickly going to run into, into some issues. So, um, and yeah, this is all taking place on spreadsheets, right? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, this was on spreadsheets. Yeah. Uh, and we were manually finding when people were pausing, we were manually finding when people were canceling. Uh, so it was kind of like a, uh, a, a bit of a, a bit of a hunt for key things happening for 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 all of our um, subscription customers and that and uh, obviously that would not scale and that would not work and obviously we we, we changed at the right time to be able to uh, just the removal of those sort of um, uh, uh, I guess factors and and getting coughing out coffee out the door removal of those key things that we were trying to find. Uh, by just now we just react to the open order like right that's the most simple thing uh, and like compared to where we were that that's obviously saved us a lot of time along the way um and uh you know a little bit of me i would put that in place and make, make key suggestions along the way um if we try it like this um maybe just spread it across the month as opposed to having it just at the start of the month or whatever um I think, yeah, has, has, has been really beneficial to us. I think this is an awesome point to, to drive home, though, because every time we talk about agencies, we talk about even just growing a brand. Obviously, there's a, there's a dollar value at the end of there. There's a revenue thing that needs to happen. You need to grow revenue. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways to grow revenue outside of people's normal thoughts. You know, everyone usually thinks when you think, you know, we need to grow the brand, it's marketing, it's advertising, it's Google and Facebook dollars, or it's hiring more people to do more work so we can, you know, end up selling or growing or whatever it ends up being. But time saving is a huge way to grow revenue. You know, if you have four or five people spending 10 hours a week in these spreadsheets, manually looking for, okay, did they skip? Did they do this? Did we move them over here? That's that's a huge way to grow revenue. Is just streamlining that stuff. Oh, definitely. Like um, you know, we we've saved. I don't know. Like it used to take a whole day of processing. Now it's a it's it's a few hours. You know, and those the sort of it's it's also key time. Like those people don't want to be doing the processing, and it's just right. It's not it's not it's not a good use of uh, people's time. You know, like once once we were rolling with that, then all this free time mean hey this thing we can push on with that and we can get that project over the line quicker because now we've got more time for these uh for everyone sort of sort of be involved in it uh so yeah i mean at the end of the day like it time is money it's a bit cliche but it but it is literally like uh saving that time for us meant that we can do other things it's kind of, it's just kind of a no-brainer right um and then once i think for us sort of identifying the value of uh, subscriptions and recurring revenue. Um, you know, once, once you sort of identified that and you know, shifted your focus a little to um, really, really push on that because recurring revenue is, is, is great, right? Like um, you don't, you know, that person is in, 
we're, we're really proud and we think that our product is really good of what we output. So we kind of, we don't expect them, but we, we think they're going to stay for a while. Right. And that, that, right. that's great. Whereas, you know, for a retail sale, you, you have to, you have to really engage those people at each transaction. You know? Like we don't uh, in terms of subscriptions. I think that's, it, it's a really, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just an, uh, what's the right word. I guess it's, uh very obvious um as to as to why people were shifting their focus towards recurring revenue and subscription platforms i mean i don't need to tell you guys that <laughs> <laughs> i think it's very well said though very well said you uh you stressed me out a little bit when you start talking about skipping and swapping and putting everything in a spreadsheet and all the time you're spending on there but i'm, I'm glad we got that ironed out i'm glad that that works a little bit well <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I know that you're actually leaving Square Mile Coffee in the near future. What's what's next up for you? Um, I'm actually some, taking some time to uh, go home and visit my family for about I'm taking a couple of months off to head back to New Zealand um, and sort of catch up on, obviously, with my family and friends because it's been a while and I'm sure everyone's world has been a little bit shaken up by what's happened. So uh, taking that opportunity to to get home. Um, and I'm also developing a personal project of mine, which I've been um, chipping away at for a little while, and that is called Full Fat Melt, where I take um, single-use milk bottles from a local cafe and actually um, repurpose them into products. So um, working on that in, in, in my sort of spare time, spare time, I like that. Um, working on that to, to see if that has legs and really pushing for that. So the... The shed is quickly becoming a small factory, which is quite fun. Um, awesome. And then, yeah, I guess progressing towards work, working on or, or, or for a platform, you know, like Recharge or Shopify. I think that's sort of the, the kind of next trajectory that I'd really like to take. Um, uh, you know, I've enjoyed being the, I guess, your customer, I think, um, and like learning I guess learning the platforms along the way and how how different things work. That's what uh, I guess that's how my mind works and what I'm really interested in. So um, you know the mechanics behind how does recharge actually work um, in terms of orders coming in. How does that relate to the Shopify? Uh, we use Linworks, so you know all these sort of integrations are what I find really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not quite sure what I'm going to move on to yet. Um, I guess that's kind of the exciting thing. Uh, slash nervous but uh you know like i guess i have to you only go around does it go around the world once or something like that you only live once i don't want to say that <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh i think yeah like only have one chance at it really so i think um yeah. yeah i've really enjoyed my time and i'm just ready for the next challenge and to see see where that is and who that's for um because i think uh, i don't know there's uh, e-commerce is just a really interesting thing at the moment um, right. obviously we're, we're all very aware of the kind of uptake that it's, that it's happening through the world for, for online selling um i think it's just really just really interesting um yeah very cool so i want to uh, yeah learn as much as i can really. let's try to squeeze the the last little bit of knowledge out of you before you hop out here <laughs> let's get to a couple closing questions cool. what's a piece of advice you would give to a brand who is just starting and just kind of trying to get off the ground what's the best piece of advice you can give in your 10 years square mile uh flexibility and control definitely um for i mean for, for this for the structure that we had before, we didn't really have like a customer portal or anything like that. So there's so much of our customer service time was making adjustments for people. Now give people those tools early. Like I think that that's key. People, you know, 
everyone likes a subscription. They like the ease of it, but they also like the ease of being able to change stuff. People go on holiday. People just stop drinking coffee for a bit for, for right. whatever. Um, so give, giving them flexibility, you know, the portal is a perfect way to do that. We didn't really have that before, or we didn't, um, and it just makes it just makes everything easier, like for processing orders. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there's no heavy customer service um, interactions required, um, and you know, customers like that as well. They like being able to. Give them control. I think it's easy. And get out of spreadsheets. Yeah, get out of spreadsheets. <laughs> Automate everything. <laughs> What's uh, Let's flip it the other direction. What's a piece of advice you give for a brand who is scaling and maybe has kind of hit a plateau or two? How do they kind of jump over that plateau and keep scaling? Yeah, I, I think um, I was just going to refer back to something that we, we did to, to get over that. And that was to kind of remove any potential barriers to actually getting the product, like physically getting the product. Um, we, we have... Um, uh, a larger coffee bag than most of our competitors. Um, so the constant not getting to the actual person was was um, a, a bit of a barrier for us. Uh, so we, uh, during all of this, we managed to roll out a letterbox project, and that was that we can now get a bag of coffee through the letter slot. Now they're quite small letter slots; it doesn't get through all of them, but most of them. Um, and that for us. That, that's a, a, a huge jump because A, you're obviously getting it through and you're getting it to the customer, but they don't have to go, they don't have to go to the post office. Um, and they're kind of they're aware of how it was and they see they see the changes that we're making because we sort of like they've been asking for it for a while. We just weren't quite sure how to achieve it. Um, and once we did that, then obviously um, it, it it makes sense to get it to them quicker. And also uh, I think. Like choosing the for us as key was to choose the fastest way to get things there. I don't mean same day courier scenarios. That's that's you know, not financially viable. But we right. use the fastest option that we can with our national post system uh, because fresh coffee is fresh coffee. Um, and I think just getting it to them as fast as we possibly could. You know, there are options that are cheaper, um, but you know, getting the the thing to the people is 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 really key. Really, it, I know that makes it sound really simple, but yeah, that was, a, that was a huge bump for us, getting it to them, getting it through their door. Um, just yeah. Quickly. yeah. I think we could do an entire episode on, on logistics of things like that. Like yeah. the, with, with verticals everywhere, you know, it's with London, it's, it's the small mailboxes and having to get a bag of coffee through that. That's a hurdle that a lot of people just don't think about. So I think that's, yeah. that's great advice. You always got to look at every piece of this customer experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, last, last question for you. What do you subscribe to? Uh, so I subscribe to... Uh, Wild deodorant, uh, which is a mail order deodorant, um, yeah. I think is really cool. Uh, I actually just like the actual product um, and the deodorant's great and I don't need to think about it anymore. Um, who gives a crap? Toilet paper. I don't know if this is a worldwide thing or if that's offensive, but uh, yeah, I think uh, that's a very simple thing. Uh, and we signed up for that over COVID because uh, the toilet paper shortage was real. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> which is weird um but yeah obviously th that obviously takes away any supermarket visits just for toilet paper or, or anything uh, yeah. and we have a local uh, organic veg that's uh, very uh, uh kind of the, the opposite of digital platform scenarios we yep. give them money we pick it up at a point um and it's you know the best organic veg we can get they've got really good uh sort of ethos behind them that we really want to get behind um so yeah those are the, the key things uh, i'm not counting Netflix or any of those things. Like I'm talking about right, that. right. 
Super cool. Well, Marty, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck in your next venture. Oh, thank you very much for having me. We'd like to thank Marty once again for joining us. If you're interested in Square Mile Coffee, you can head over to shop.squaremilecoffee.com.